Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Don't ever, don't ever do something to try to avoid persecution. Don't ever soften up the truth. Don't ever negotiate the truth with non-believers. Don't ever backpedal on what you believe in your heart in order to avoid being persecuted. That's what got these guys in trouble. As believers, we're supposed to embrace the fact that there will be persecution that comes because we believe what we do. People aren't always going to agree with you. Hopefully, you already learned that. If not, today's message might be news to you. And when it comes to the truth of the gospel message, you're going to face opposition. It's guaranteed in the Bible. So what are you going to do when that happens? Are you going to soften the blow or not say anything at all? Pastor Bill reminds you that the truth sets people free, even if they disagree at first. So tell them anyway, everyone deserves a chance to be set free by Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Galatians chapter 6 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. We left off at verse 9. He had told them, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he'll also reap. And um, he said, if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you'll reap everlasting life. And then he said in our closing verse last week was, let us not grow weary in doing well. For in due season you shall reap if you do not lose heart. And he was reminding them that they're people that have sown and they've done what they're supposed to do and they're, they haven't reaped yet. And it gets discouraging and they get discouraged waiting on God. He says, don't don't grow weary while doing good. And so as you look at verse 10, it says, therefore, therefore is always a connector. So after all that he's been teaching, he says, this is the conclusion. Therefore, as a result, and he, he jumps into verse 10. So look at verse 10 of Galatians chapter six. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And so again, these are going to be various little exhortations. Paul says here, therefore, because of all that God has done for us, because we're going to reap eventually, because, you know, God's bringing these things to pass and let us do good to everybody, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. And so as believers, you should be a do-gooder and not in the goody two-shoes, you know, kind of way. But he said, look, as a believer, you should be someone that should characterize your life, that you're someone that does good to other people. And I hope that on our jobs, I hope that in our communities, I hope that wherever God places you, you're identified like that, that that person, they just they just do extra stuff. And I know people like that. I'm, I know people that just like, man, they are they just they're just kind they're always thinking about others and doing things. They do very thoughtful things. God says, that's what we should be like. We should be those that are doing good to other people. And it's interesting how little effort it takes to do good to someone. It's not expensive. Uh, it doesn't, it sometimes it just takes a little bit of thought, just a little bit of thinking about somebody else that you would do good to others. But then it says, especially to those who are of the household of faith. That doesn't just mean those people that go to your church. But just in general to Christians, that we should be those that we're looking for opportunities to do good to other believers. One day, uh, there's a pastor from Maywood named Andreas, and me, him, and a few guys from his staff had met up for breakfast, and we were fellowshipping. And a brother walked in that I know from another church. He was coming in to grab a coffee real quick on his way out. And when it was time for us to pay, 
They said, oh, somebody paid your thing. And it was that brother, the brother that walked in and saw us. He, he walked over and said, hey, what you guys doing? We're just fellowshipping, man. We'll you know, have time to pray or whatever. He was all, you know, and he said, pray for me real quick. And he left. And he went up there and paid for, you know, all of our food, all of our drinks. And it was, you know, it was, we were edified. We were blessed by that. You know, like, man, that was just, he didn't have to do that. He just saw us and just said, boom, bless you guys. Just did good to us because he know us from churches, you know. Um, and I just think those kind of things as believers that we need to look for opportunities just to be a blessing to one another. Because we, we get, you know, all of us that are trying to walk with the Lord, we all have our different seasons of battle and warfare and where things are against us. Um, how encouraging is it when the people of God just you see their people that are for you like the Lord is for you. Um, but we get to be an extension of that. You know, we know God is for us. Right. But it's encouraging when the people of God also are just stretching out their hand and say, hey, we're for you, just like the Lord is for you. And so if you are someone that, you know, this doesn't characterize you, um, put that down. Make yourself a note this week. You know what? I need to be more mindful to do good to people, uh, everybody, but in particular, those who are of the household of faith. And so as God brings believers to mind, if God brings scenarios up, you know, look for opportunities to do good, just to be just to be good to other people. Amen. I, I had this quote, a John Wesley quote. He says, do all the good you can in all the ways you can to all the people you can as long as you can. I just thought that's uh, I mean, just all all nicely put together. Do all the good you can and all the ways you can to all the people you can as long as you can. You won't be sorry when you get to heaven that you did so. Amen. Amen. Verse 11. Now he says, see with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. Now, Paul would normally have a, someone transcribe his letters for him. This one he wrote by hand. And he said, look at what large letters I wrote to you. Um, many believe that's because Paul had bad eyes. Some believe maybe he had bad eyes because of some of the persecution he had endured, maybe because of some of the illnesses that he had had. Either way, um, Paul is saying, you know, hey, look at what large I've written this one by hand. And so some of you guys like myself, uh, I have a large print Bible, so I'm not up here going dip, 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 when I'm reading to y'all. You know, uh, if I got like the little bitty Bibles, my eyes are like mm, not no more. <laughs> you got to get the big print, bro. I want big, dark print. So anybody out here with big print Bibles, Paul's talking to you. Uh, he says, I, I wrote this one by hand with large letters. I wrote it to you. And he's just letting them know this is personal. I wrote this with my own hands. Not that when it was transcribed, it was any less from Paul. But Paul is saying, I want you you're looking at those letters. I wrote those letters. Right. This is from me to you guys. I want you guys to grasp this. Verse 12. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh. These would compel you to be circumcised only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. And we get here an insight as unto why, what was the motive behind the Judaizers, the legalists that Paul was dealing with? What was their motive? Why were they trying to convince all these people that you needed to be circumcised and you needed to come back into legalism? That this is the deal. For the Christians that were coming to Christ and saying, all I need to be saved is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is it. I don't need your religion. I don't need Judaism. I don't need to keep the law. I don't need to follow those rules and instructions. They were being persecuted by the group that was doing so. So if you're a Christian over here saying all I need is Jesus, then the Jews over here were saying, you know, we, we're, they were coming against this group, you know, for what they were believing. So Paul says the true motive. Why these Judaizers were coming to the Christians saying, look, you guys, we can kind of have it both ways. You got to believe in Jesus and be circumcised. He said the true reason was they didn't want to endure persecution. 
They were really trying to avoid being persecuted for taking a stance that Jesus was it. And I would say this to us. Don't ever, don't ever do something to try to avoid persecution. Don't ever soften up the truth. Don't ever negotiate the truth with non-believers. Don't ever backpedal on what you believe in your heart in order to avoid being persecuted. That's what got these guys in trouble. As believers, we're supposed to embrace the fact that there will be persecution that comes because we believe what we do. Jesus said, and I want you to write this down in your notes. Write down Matthew 5, verse 11 and 12. And these are the words of Christ. Jesus said to us, to disciples that would be disciples at work. He says, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who are before you. Isaiah and Jeremiah, rough. That's rough stuff. Amen. They went through. I mean, they didn't have Jeremiah's ministry was sad. There wasn't a whole lot of, you know, he didn't have any converts. He didn't have anybody except, you know, to look at some of the things that Isaiah had to do in his prophecy. Some of the things that God made him do to draw attention and everything else. And these guys were going out into a world that was against them. And God said, never mind that. Jeremiah, never mind their faces. You just tell them what I'm telling you. And so the same to us. Jesus said, look. Be exceedingly glad when people, and I'm not saying go be weird and go try to make people persecute you because there's some, there's some of those special Christians out there, you know, yelling somebody's face, spitting their face and they persecute me now, you know, don't be weird, but be a Christian, be solid, be sound, believe what the Bible says, live what the Bible teaches. And when you engage and encounter people that disagree, stay on your ground, speak the truth in love. Don't fall back. Don't don't negotiate these things. Don't try to make it work for them. It doesn't work for them. They don't believe. And God says, and if you endure some persecution as a result, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. There's an eternal reward on persecution for his sake. Not for, now, if you're getting persecuted for being weird, there's nothing you can you get nothing for that. You might get disciplined, you know, but if you're being persecuted for his name's sake, God says rejoice and be exceedingly glad. So look, these guys, these Judaizers, the whole motive for this thing they were doing was trying to avoid persecution. May we never try to avoid it. Right? I'm not saying go out there and try to create it, but absolutely not. Don't ever try to avoid being persecuted. Amen. We're, why would I avoid something that God says is a blessing attached to it? I'm going to bless you for it. And so, you know, I've been pinned down in times where I know the person asking me the question disagrees with the answer I'm going to give. As a pastor, you get put in weird spots. You get someone that's pro Whatever they know, I'm, I believe what the Bible says. What do you think about that? I think what the Bible thinks. It's a sin. It's wrong. Um, what would you want me to do? You know, I've had someone. I've had a couple that were living together in sin, fornicating on a regular basis. One of them went to church, made a commitment to the Lord, called me, and said, "Now, what do I do?" I'm like, "Well, if you've really given your heart to the Lord, then you would repent of living like you're living. I can't say go marry the individual because they're not a believer. You'd be unequally yoked together. You need to separate and continue to pursue the Lord. And then that person, rather than doing that, that's what the Bible would say to do. Amen. What they did was told their spouse, well, Pastor Bill said I should leave you. And, you know, and so, yeah, there was leveraging that like you should come to church with me because if not, Pastor Bill said I should just leave you and start over without you. And I'm like, 
And then they didn't leave, so they just left me out to dry. I'm like, that, that could happen. At the end of the day, though, the truth was the truth, though, right? I have, you have to tell the truth. And so um, don't try to avoid persecution. If you do, you'll end up being, you know, you, like these Judaizers, you'll either be a, a nominal, weak, ineffective, saltless believer. Um, we want to be salty. And sometimes saying the truth to people, they might not accept it right there on faith at, at, at the beginning, but they'll, they'll accept it eventually. And even if they don't, you're good with God because God, I told the truth. And that's, that's, that's more, I, I want to, before the Lord, we want to be truth tellers. We want to be those that God spoke the truth. And it is what it is. Let, it, let, it, let the chip fall where they may. So moving on, it says in verse 13, for not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. And so he says, these guys that are having you guys are trying to encourage you to do so, be circumcised. They don't even keep the whole law, um, but they want to, they want to boast in, you know, having a big group, having, having all you guys with them. And so he's saying there, there's a hypocrisy in that verse 14, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And I love this here. Paul says, look, God forbid that we should boast in anything except the cross of Jesus Christ. Right. For the believer, we, we always are saying this for the believer. What do we have to be proud of? Jesus. What do we boast in what he did for us? We never boast in what we do or what we've done or what we've accomplished. We boast in what he has done for us because the most valuable thing that's been done was done on the cross. Amen. Amen. My sins are forgiven because of the cross. I'm going to go to heaven because of the cross. I'm right with God because of the cross. Anything that came after that's good is a result of the cross. And so if we keep it that way as believers, God will always be glorified through our lives. And we'll always be in a position before the Lord where we're honoring him rightly. You know, maybe God has excelled you and blessed you with gifts and is using you tremendously. And, and, and people will begin to look at you. You must be very careful to say the cross. Jesus did it all. Apart from him, I'm nothing. Remove him. I have nothing to offer anybody. You can't just say that emptily. You got to believe that with all your heart. You remove Jesus. I'm nothing. Right. I, I love what I get to do. If Jesus took away his word, I have nothing to say to you about you. I have nothing meaningful to say to you apart from his word. His word is living and powerful. His word doesn't return void. His word will accomplish everything he sent it to do. If he took away his word, nothing to offer you. Him. It always will go back to him. And if we do that, again, it'll keep us from pride. It'll keep us from some of the trappings of the enemy. But it'll always keep us in a place, too, where people are receiving from Jesus. And people are glorifying Jesus. Our eyes are where they need to be on the one who died for us on the cross. And so Paul says, look, how do boast? Now, and I mean, I want you to listen to who's saying this. Who could boast? If someone could boast in their accomplishments as a believer, Paul could say, I planted this many churches. I've led this many people to the Lord. I've made this many disciples. I've, you know, I shut down the, the, the Judaizers over there. I, I got the Corinthian church cleaned up, you know, for, I mean, he put that on your resume. You know, I went to, I went to Corinth and that mess of a church. I got that thing straightened out. Paul says, look, I glory in one thing, the cross. And if Paul can't glory in all his ministry, then we have better, <laughs> we have better not be glorying in anything that God does through us. And so he says, I glory in the cross. And then he says this. By whom the world is crucified to me, I'm crucified to the world. Now, what you think about what that means? Paul said it was through the cross that the world, the world is crucified to me. 
uh, the world, he's speaking of the world system. And so when you think of the world, all the things in the world, all the things that would draw people's minds and attention, he says, I'm crucified to the world. This world don't own me. Um, and when you think of crucifixion, I'm dead to it. Crucifixion was, a, was murder. It was a form of death. I am dead to the world and the world is dead to me because of the cross. Right. As I'm dead to the world, the, the world is dead to me. Who are we alive to? We're alive in Christ and we're alive to Christ. We're living for something totally different. We're in this world, but what? But we're not of it. And that's the way God wants it to be. God, so I want to put you in it, but I don't want you to partake of it. I want you to be influencers in the world. And so often what happens to believers is that God puts us in the world to be an influence to the world. And because we're not focused on the Lord, we start to be influenced by the world around us. We start to want what they have. We start to desire the things that they have and want to be like them and, and desire the things and the stuff of the world. And God's like, it's not what I put you there for. That's, I put you there to be an influence. I put you there to, to do something. And so be careful that you don't start taking on uh, characteristics of the world that God said, I put you there to, to bring change. I put you in the midst of that group to, to have an impact on it, not to be impacted by it. Um, my daughter was, um, you know, you guys know my daughter, Harmony. She grew up Christian school and homeschool her whole life. And so she was at Christian school and then she would come home and homeschool for a couple years and be with mom. And then she would go back to school for a year and, and then she would go back at homeschool. And so she was very sheltered, very covered. But the Lord had stirred her heart up for missions. And so she had been to Japan with me. She had been to Peru a couple times and she started going different places. And then. In high school, she felt like, you know, now she's never been to public school. If you'd have asked her when she was younger, she's like, oh, I don't want to go to public school. You know, it was like, ooh, big, scary, you know, public school, you know, because she was very sheltered and covered. My daughter, my baby, you know, and so she was very sheltered and covered. And she prays like, I feel like God wants me to go to public school to be a witness. And I was like, OK, we'll pray we'll pray about that. And we prayed. And so. Um, it just so happened, though, this is the funny thing. We, when, we, when we started praying this, we were living in Downey. The Lord was speaking to me at the time that it was time for us to move back to Inglewood. So I was already in the works praying and getting things adjusted to move back to Inglewood. So by the time it all culminated, we were moving to Inglewood. And so I'm like, so God's calling you to go to public school. It's not going to be a public school in Downey. It's going to be a public school in Inglewood, you know? And so she was like, well, well, well I, you sure that's what the Lord said, you know? And, uh, and she was. She said, no, I'm sure this is what the Lord told me to do. And so she ended up at Inglewood High. And I want you to understand for me, this is my, 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 my baby. I mean, just I, she'd never been exposed, just covered. And she's like, I'm supposed to go there and be a witness. And I'm like, and I believe that the Lord was in it. And so I'm like, all right. And I remember putting her in there. Me and my wife were just looking at each other like, can you believe God is, God got jokes sometimes. I mean, like, <laughs> why, Lord? Just she couldn't let her go to the mission for a week and come back. She's going to be here every day. But you know what? That school year, she went and, and she experienced a lot of things that she had never seen and all sorts of stuff, you know, but. She was witnessing. She was something that she hadn't had a lot of opportunity to do at a Christian school. And she was stepping out. She was challenged. She was stretched. She was strengthened. We had a Bible club on campus that year. And once a week, the ROTC class let us do a Bible club. And so we brought pizza for the kids for lunch. And that room would fill up with kids, mostly because they wanted free pizza. But, but they would hear the gospel. And every week, every single week, kids got saved. Every single week, kids made decisions for the Lord. One week, this was the coolest thing ever. There was a gay club on the campus, and they also had lunchtime meetings. 
And so it was a week where we had a Q&A going on. And so the kids had made, you know, uh, posters to say, you know, uh, free pizza. There's questions and answers. And they had put all kind of stuff about what the Bible says about drugs, about sex, about this, that and the other. And at the same place, there was uh, the gay club had canceled their lunch meeting. So all the kids from the LBT club, whatever, you know, that, all, the, all the kids from that club came to the Bible meeting. And I was like, this is going to be interesting because this is <laughs> this isn't a day where I'm just teaching. I'm taking live questions and answering them back. It was the most awesome day there because four questions in a row about that. Bam, 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 bam. And we're giving out what the Bible says. And one girl is pressing me. I remember she she was she came in with four kids that were one one guy dressed like a girl. She came in with this group and she's saying she's pressing me with these questions. I'm saying, look, I went to first Corinthians six. I'm like, they they can't go to heaven like that, but they can be saved. And look, and I gave her the verse in Corinthians where, you know, such were some of you. And but you were sanctified and justified. So I said, so God, so God can save them. God can forgive them, but they have to come to him. They have to want his forgiveness. You know, there isn't anything God can't forgive. And this girl said she stayed after with her friends. And she came up and she said, my dad's a pastor. And at my dad's church, they say that he says that there's no hope and they can't be saved. And that's why I befriended them. I always I feel like the church is so mean to them. But you're saying that they can be saved and God does love them. They just have to come. And yeah, I'm like, they have to come. Just like if you were having sex with a boy, you have to come and say, God, forgive me. That's wrong. Just they have to come. God will forgive them. He'll take them. And she's like, well, then. And she started bringing these kids. She would bring them every week. And we started to see kids. One couple that came that day. Now, they didn't all get saved. But one of the, it was a girl couple. The girls were both there. We give the, the opportunity for salvation. And one girl left. And her friend is trying to pull her back. And she's like, no, I'm going to go. And she came and she sat down. And what we get to do after the, it's lunchtime. So when lunch was over, everybody had to go. But the kids that got saved, we would keep them. And the teacher would give them a note, say, you guys, you know, so they go back to class late. I say all that to say, you know, our biggest concern in that season was we sent her there. I didn't send her there to, for her to pick up on all that she was hearing. I, my daughter would have came home cussing or came home. You know, she said, Dad, they smoke weed in the hallway. Like she said, as you're going to class, kids are like, real quick, real, you know, just passing weed. And I'm like, and that's just the environment. I didn't send her there for her to pick that up. You know, she went there to be a light be a witness and so God has put you and me in this world not that we would pick up the stuff not that we would start to look and desire and want but that God's a please I want you to be a witness for me in this lost place they need me and it's the most ineffective witness when it's a believer looking at the world and you really want what they have because they how will they ever desire what you have when you're lusting over what they have forget about their stuff forget about their cars forget about their possessions where are they going Care about that. Amen. We'll be, a, we'll be a lot more effective. And so when he says that, 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 I, that the world has been crucified to me, everybody needs to consider that. Is this world crucified to you or do you still want some of it? Because it needs to be crucified to you. And he says, and I to the world. Verse 15, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Paul says in Christ whether you're circumcised or not, whether you've kept some letter or some part of the law or not is irrelevant. What matters in Christ is what? The new creation. Have you been made new? Are you a new creation in Christ? That's what matters to God. God said, I'm not worried about these particular rules or regulations. Are you a new person? Have you become a new creation? That's what God died to bring about in our life, that we'd be a new creation in Christ Jesus. Brand new. That God is doing something from the inside out. 
a metamorphosis that we're, we're we may look the same on the outside, but we're not the same anymore. That God has so wonderfully worked from the inside out that you're a new person, a new man, a new woman with new desires. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. These words are so familiar now that one can breeze right past them without a thought. We can even sing the words out loudly and never think about what it means. But take a moment and put yourself in the Galatians' shoes. They've seen crucifixion before. They've probably hurried past, trying not to look at the unfortunate people sentenced to die, such a gruesome death. When people told them Christ was crucified, they knew exactly what that meant, what that looked like and sounded like. So when Paul wrote, I have been crucified with Christ, those words would have been shocking. It paints a picture. The old me has been so violently eradicated that I cannot even think of going back. All I have now is Christ and he lives in me. You've been listening to a transforming word with Pastor Bill Buffington. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, where we meet every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m. We're also here on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We'd be delighted to have you join us in person, but if you can't, we continue to stream on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook Live. You can find all the information you need at calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. While you're there, you can find and download our mobile app. We're out of time for today, but we'll see you right here next time for a transforming word.